you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Doesn't know which day of the week it is. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from the virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey now. Championship week. Big week. I mean, Greg is pumping his arms left and right. It's uh, if you were able to, if you're not watching this on YouTube, it's quite a sight. <laughs> you gotta you sometimes s- give yourself the energy if you're not feeling it right at the beginning. You know, <laughs> yesterday was the. I do know what day it is. It's Tuesday, um, and yesterday Monday, I feel like was the first time we hadn't seen each other in about 197 days. So feel totally refreshed. Like really miss you guys. It's uh yeah I mean we spent all Saturday and Sunday together on Sky which was a delight to do but it is it's been a lot of um in from my POV a lot of Greg and Dan um and from <laughs> yours a lot of of me which is I if if it's if I'm to measure the way that my household is responding to me I don't think that people are wanting more they're wanting maybe just a little bit less What was the vibe in the household after the Browns went down on Sunday I, I imagine obviously supportive uh, do you think there was a part of Simone, who was obviously not rooting against the Browns, but relieved to have that tension out of the house because sometimes you, Mark, you do bring a level of tension. And I imagine when the Browns are in the playoffs, it, it has to be at another level. Well, I, I there were really only a couple super ten, tense moments. And the first was the Steelers game, which was largely celebratory. Um, but the, the Chiefs one, I would say that my, like, you know, take on the whole thing and me stomping around the house was a lot less because it was I wasn't expecting necessarily the team to win I just wanted to see what happened and um, you know we're doing the sky thing at the same time so I wasn't like a raving nightmare 
<laughs> According to me, I, I don't think I was. It's more like coming off your pores than than what you actually are outwardly doing. It was just sort of a, an energy of which I'm sure Simone has a right a, a better sense of than any human. Not life. even game day necessarily, yeah. but just that general like uh, Godzilla when you see the scales in his back have the radiation electricity buzzing <laughs> on them. Uh, that going on from Sunday to Sunday. I wonder if there's a difference in Mark. And your demeanor and just um, mm. the way you're hardwired now compared to last Tuesday. It's possible. I will say that if, if she were to probably compile a list of annoyances, um, like the couple times we watched the Browns game wouldn't crack the top 20. <laughs> there are other larger things to be tackled there. How is everyone's marriages, by the way? Let's, let's dig into that before we get into today's show. Because mine, I would say, remains strong to very strong uh, with periods of... Um, icy tension uh, that is all born out of like you think we see each other too much uh, the other yeah. all the other hours that we're not talking into our computers uh, we're with our wives this has been um, quite a study like they they will they will study the amount of human interaction within your pods for centuries to come off this uh, how, how are the marriages mm. I'd say it's fine you know they're going fine the, the whole like not being able to leave um leave Los Angeles in the country um, in the case of my wife who wants to visit her family in Japan and stuff you know that that's more of attention so you know, maybe I'm, I'm blamed a little bit for bringing her to this this city um, but I, I was trying to make the case LA like sucks right what, you, I was like would you rather be in New York what, when everything's falling where everything's falling apart come on you're a hero on that front I, I, <laughs> I liked your description Dan strong with moments of iciness and um, issues. Let's but get, I, I think we try to keep a sense of humor to some degree. I'm, I'm, my concern is like for our kids who have like no friends, you know, it just, it's well, no, not then it so gets different. Sad. I don't right. like thinking about that as much. That Let's bring in Ricky good. Hollywood too. I mean, she is in a I mean, relationship with Jet, a wonderful woman. And uh, you guys aren't married. Uh, maybe you will be down the road. Has, has this uh, pandemic drew you closer or are you pushed apart to the point where this thing is on the rocks? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily on the rocks, but it's definitely much worse. <laughs> <laughs> Eric is the only one keeping it real right yeah, now. Yeah, it's, it's, it, this, this is hell. This is hell. Oh, man. I'd like to say we're almost there. We have a new uh, president coming in. There's, there's going to be um, changes uh, to the protocol. Hopefully the vaccination process speeds up and, and we're heading toward... Uh, better times. There is no scouting combine. You want to talk about how much things changed last year. We were all at the uh, scouting combine this uh, last February, which really, if you want to be real, was probably like a super spreader event. It was nobody's fault because nobody really understood what was going on. Uh, Where it's going to be a totally different setup this year with combine. It's mostly virtual with local pro days. Um, just another example of how the world has changed. Well, we've now made it through to the point where events are getting gonna get canceled for a second time the combine is like literally is like the last possible thing right that happened and there are some i can think of you know other sports tennis and stuff like where things are getting canceled for a second time around like we we've been through that yeah like the last time i went out to dinner with people was with dan colleen and erica at that pizza place oh, yeah. on that snowy night and i have tons of video footage um of that which i t I, I sent out a, a, a an abbreviated clip of dan in the snow because uh, when i initially sent it out um i didn't realize that colleen dropped like a tremendous s-bomb in the middle of it and i didn't think she probably wanted that to go out there without my permission but i've got lots of other footage to share with you behind uh 
Closed doors. What will you guys miss most about not going to the combine? Uh, Taking care of Erica and making sure she goes back to her her hotel room to (laughs) get well. Yeah, the nights. Maybe the. I I love when there's like three coaches talking at the same time, and I'm responsible to know what all three said, and they're they're like sixty yards apart. It's wonderful. I mean, we're not in the coal mine here. Almost, it's not almost nothing. I, I, you know, if they, I'm happy. It's I've gone for sixteen straight years or something. I don't want to go. You always have like a quaint little dinner with like a friend. Yes, like you always meet some some nice dinners with friends. That that is what you miss. But I wouldn't mind if they move locations next time around. I wanted to see uh, Robert Sala. Sala. Sala up close and personal uh, at the podium, but maybe that will have to wait for another year. Who knows? Everything could change. Yeah, you don't know. All right. We got a lot to get into um, today. We have a guest and a really good one. He's uh, one of the great Buffalo Bills of all time, Steve Tasker, who now is a, a major force up there in the media game in Western New York. You know him also from his time at CBS. Uh, so Steve Tasker will join us on the podcast to talk about the Bills, what's going on up there in Western New York right now, and as they prepare for the AFC Championship game against the defending uh, champion Chiefs. But before that, there was a lot of news to get to. Some things that happened at the end of last week, and we didn't get a chance to get to it because obviously Sunday was all about game talk and things that are happening as this week unfolds. So let's hit the news, Ricky. Everybody always asks, what was our identity? And, you know, we didn't have an answer. But Coach B.A., he had an answer. He said, we some mother who going to find a way to win the game. <laughs> Love that quote uh, from Devin White and uh, Bruce Arians. One of those coaches. Reminds me in some ways of Rex Ryan at, at, at his peak where the, the team could take on the identity of the coach. And Bruce Arians like, Man, we're just going to be the MFers that are going to win the game. That's our identity. I, I like that. Players buy mm. into that, and Devin White certainly did with a unbelievable performance this weekend. And may, and I didn't even consider the Bruce Arians like he's been on the edge of retirement a couple of times. You wonder if he, he he could ever get to the Super Bowl as a head coach for the first time and and even win it. Whether whether he'd want to continue. That's well, true. in my reports that he you know, and this was a year ago, not this year, that he seemed tuned out and. <laughs> Not there presently, or no longer. Um, they weren't factual then, and they're definitely not factual <laughs> when now. When they went in, well, I, I will say, uh, when they were going into their bye at the end of November on uh, a losing streak, I think you started to text a little bit about that again. And he's starting to look a little checked out again. Maybe it's just how he looks on the sideline to me sometimes. Maybe um, I, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a poor read on my part. All right, let's get into it. Let's start with the big soap opera unfolding down there in Houston. Um, we have been tracking this. Deshaun Watson, he might want out. The superstar quarterback for the Texans is very unhappy with the direction of the organization, um, where things are, where things stand in terms of uh, ownership and the hiring of the new general manager and, of course, Jack Easterby, his involvement. And Cal McNair, if he's going to keep his quarterback in the building, is going to have to pull off something special. Uh, And there is, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, growing sentiment that Deshaun Watson has played his last snap for the team. Greg, this is like, again, there's no way people, no way the Texans want to trade Deshaun Watson. There's no way because he's that good. This is a Hall of Fame level talent, age 25, coming off another incredible season. But in our league, 
in 2021, that doesn't matter. If you can't keep your superstar happy, he holds the leverage. So unless they can convince this guy that this is still the place to be, he will be moved and it will become one of the blockbuster trades of this century. That's all true. And as Sunday morning hit with these Schefter reports and Watson, you know, sending out a tweet that he was at a two, now he's at a 10. And, you know, Schefter had tweeted something basically the exact same right before it. So we know where his sources are. Um, you, you see them pushing and that, you know, even if they fired Jack Easterby, that wouldn't satisfy um, Deshaun Watson because ultimately it's about Cal McNair, the owner. And unless the owner fires himself, there's not going to be a lot of faith. I still even then thought, okay, this is becoming more serious. My skepticism of whether this could actually happen um, is starting to, you know, thaw. And yet here we are on Tuesday, and we already see maybe the beginnings of a, a way for them to um, have some reconciliation. Watson sends out a tweet saying, you know, I've been having to try some to have some patience. I told my mama uh, she should pray on it. I mean, and we're still so far away from when any of this would happen. You you do wonder they have not, you know, hired their coach yet. The the off season's truly still at least a month away, and even longer before when he would have to be traded. It, it just it seems like a long time for them to try to make make it up to him. But um, teams teams like the Jets it should be out there getting those packages ready, and maybe they'll they'll make such great offers that the Texans will just have to listen. I think you've got to see who they hire at coach, um, but from another angle. I mean, when relationships in general just become fractured, sometimes it's just, you know, if Deshaun Watson has lost the trust, if if he doesn't trust this organization, um, it's hard just to get that back by hiring a head coach, no matter who it is. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of stories through history of, like, leaders who I don't think truly feel to be themselves to be leaders, and that kind of might be Cal McNair, who's, you know, somewhat thrust into this position listening to the wrong people and I think he's been listening to the wrong people and Jack Easterby is one of the wrong people and the process um, I mean it's you know you got to do some work to totally disenfranchise your franchise quarterback and they've done the work um, and they're in a really rough spot and you know Nick Casario taking this job I mean he's walked into uh, a hurricane and and I don't know if he's going to be able to tone this thing down and suddenly if you get really attractive packages um, of draft picks and, and players coming at you uh, maybe you have to start looking at it from the other side but this is a, a an organizational meltdown I'm going to say it's, it's nuclear. That's what it is for Houston. And they have to figure out a way to keep this from becoming a nuclear disaster. And kind of like, yes, kind of like that. And by the way, I have to say, Mark, um, I'm going to steal it for the Zeus Gazette. I'm sorry, uh, but that's just the way this game works in the tabloid journalism game. Disenfranchised quarterback. Nice headline to get into the Deshaun mm. Watson mess. And yes, the Jets are a team that people are connecting dots on. They make a lot of sense uh, because they have two first-round picks. And each of the next two years, they have a need, a quarterback, potentially. They are starting over with a new head coach. Uh, and 
listen, this is a Jets team that has struggled to find a franchise quarterback for almost 50 years. So he makes a lot of sense. In fact, there's a, a website or a, a, a sports book, uh, Sports Betting AG, that has set odds for Deshaun Watson, have the Jets atop at two to one. Like, pinch me. I mean, that it's a no-brainer. And I've seen, so I've seen some uh, talk out there amongst Jets fans. Well, you know, they have so many holes. Uh, you should take all this draft capital that you have and use that to plug holes and get the roster better. Okay, and they might end up doing that because it's going to be hard to get Watson if he truly is on the market. But if you have a chance to get a 25-year-old generational superstar quarterback, you go get him and you pair him with a good head coach, which we believe Robert Sala will be, and the GM that you trust, and then you figure things out. Don't get caught up in draft capital. I I, I think you go forward. But the other the other teams that um according to that one book, Jets, Dolphins at three to one, Bears at four to one, Broncos at five to one, Colts eight to one, Pats eight to one, Eagles ten to one, Panthers twelve to one. There are a lot of teams that can put together a competitive offer. And, oh, by the way, Greg, Deshaun Watson holds a no-trade clause. That's a, such a huge factor, and that does give him some leverage, you know, if they actually wanted to make a move. His contract, too, I mean, he, he's almost worth too much to make. Like, he's only due $10 million next year. So, so yeah, yet you're, the cap figure is going to explode. The, I think it's even the year after that. But even then, it's the 35-37, which is what the top quarterbacks end up, you know, getting. But for at least 2021, you're getting, you're paying them like a, like a decent right guard because the, the Texans already paid that bonus. So I think it would take like three, you know, three or four firsts, including one of those top couple picks. And, and even then, I, I just got to, I just can't believe the Texans would be so dumb. Um, and uh, maybe Watson will just push the matter, but I, it's because it's never happened in the history of the NFL, and it hasn't. There, there is no precedent for a quarterback like this getting traded at this point of his career. That's why I kind of, in the end, you know, I, I know that that book, for instance, it's not that is assuming he gets traded. They're not showing the odds of him staying, and that's still what I would what I would bet. On. But I would I would say that the Jets, where they were three weeks ago to now. Um, is seismic in terms of their chances to be the front runner for that kind of a trade. I mean, Watson is a Robert Sala fan. You got to know he's got players telling him Sala would be awesome for you. There's a couple. He, I think he wants to be, you know, closely linked with his head coach, and he feels like that's just not necessarily going to happen the way that he wanted in Houston. Mm. And the Jets, to me, um, leapfrog every other team because of what they offer and because of who they hired. You got to think of who's trading him too. Is is relationships are important and. And um, you know Casario coming from the Patriots, it's, it's it's interesting that he's the one that holds the key here. Now they made some trades since Joe Douglas popped up there. The Jets and the Patriots also has you know a close relationship with with the Dolphins and stuff. Like sometimes it comes comes down to that. It's crazy. No income tax in Texas. No income tax uh, in Florida. Uh, playing in in South Beach. A uh, big difference from Florham Park. Uh, so you can see why the Dolphins would be. Uh, very attractive uh, for Watson. I think that's a big part of it, too, is Deshaun Watson, if he does get moved, does he want to go to a team that's an immediate Super Bowl contender, kind of go the traded NBA superstar route, or is he down to go somewhere where he believes in the coaching staff and and the potential of the team? Uh, That's a big part of it. If ever there was time for Pink Pony to step up, Mark, this is it. Deliver deliver him back to New England, Casario. It's Pink Pony time. Um, I mean, if you want to talk about people storming various public places, that would be occurring. Um, there is 
no, yeah. I, I mean, I would be shocked. He, he didn't like being under the thumb of Bill O'Brien, who learned everything he knew from Bill Belichick. I, I would think that Deshaun would put the kibosh on that. So you know what this really is about? The GM app. This is the impact prime moment for the GM app. Every team, well, just about outside the teams that have the true superstar quarterbacks, should be in this derby. And what they should all be doing is just getting on that app and saying, here's our offer uh, for Deshaun Watson. And then it's up to the brain trust up there to decide down there in Texas to to decide. Okay, that's enough. We're going to keep tracking it. That would be crazy. That would change everything. If, If he went to the Jets, that would change everything. All right, now. Let's uh, get on the coaching carousel. Starting to fill out now. Let's start with the Chargers. Uh, They raid the Rams' cupboard, and they hire former defensive coordinator of the Rams, Brandon Staley, as head coach. We touched on this quickly on the Sunday night show. Uh, One year as D.C. for Stanley, for Staley, but he interviewed so well, he knocked the the socks off the Chargers who see him as their version of Sean McVay, a young quarterback to get behind, NFL Network, a young head coach to get behind. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero also reported that Rams offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell is a candidate to take over the same position with the Chargers. Why would he make a neutral move, Mark? Because Sean McVay is still the G, as they say, uh, when it comes to, well, nobody says that, uh, calling plays for the Rams. This would give O'Connell the chance to lead an offense led by uh, Justin Herbert. Well, in, the, in, the, in a delicious update to this, um, it, it kind of gives the L.A. football teams a little bit of New York type of Big brother, little brother. Um, the Rams have declined permission for the oh. Chargers to speak with Kevin O'Connell. So I love that. It's a little bit petty. It's a little bit, um, you know, you're not taking our guy. But to go back to Brandon Staley, I mean, the first person that Brandon Staley really blew away in this process was Sean McVay when they met um, for this to happen a year ago. And that McVay basically just said, this guy is everything that he saw in himself. And, you know, it, it went on into the into the offseason with all these Zoom calls, guys like Michael Brocker saying that he – that Staley just was it's so impressive and such a great teacher and tactician and explainer of process um, that I think these new coaches, you're seeing this, and it's Salah, it's Staley. You have to be a communicator, and his players loved him. And so I think the quick rise um, is not, to me, an aberration or something that um, I don't know if it's I think in, in the past it was like these coaches have to go through the process of being a coordinator for six, seven, eight years. It's like not anymore. If they've got it, they've got it. And I mean, he he was this is an obsessive coach. He was obsessed with Vic Fangio. He basically told McVeigh, I've studied you so much. Restraining order on me. And, I, you know, I would go read if you're wondering if you're a Chargers fan. Jordan Rodrigo wrote an excellent piece on him in September. Robert Mays on The Athletic also wrote a great piece. I mean, I started to, you know, when I start to fall for these coaches, um, it started to happen a little bit when I got to know a little bit more about him. I think he's a really interesting hire and a sharp right turn from the Anthony Lynn way of doing things, going into games, game day coaching, all of it. We'll see. Four years removed from being like a position coach at John Carroll. It's pretty wild. I mean, he is 38, so he's older than McVeigh by, you know, by a little bit. Uh, I I think the whole thing though is if you're hiring a defensive coach and you've got uh, the franchise at quarterback, what are you doing with Justin Herbert? And maybe his first choice, O'Connell, just got squashed. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he interviews and 
and keeps the staff that's there, knowing the Chargers, you know, keep and them. Herbert you know, they're Shane they're already Steichen. they're already they're already playing they're already paying Shane Steichen and Pep Hamilton, the QB coach, who did such a good job with her. I don't hate that choice either. I actually thought they might be a nice hire that that LA crew up uh, in Seattle if if the Seahawks are looking for. It. But but that's everything. It's a big risk. You know, it's a great defensive team on on paper, and hopefully Staley is a true like you know leader. Um, but I I do think. Uh, there's probably some people in the Rams. It's like, man, you can't get your own stadium. You can't develop your own coaches. You got you to take our coach. <laughs> there's, there's a wrinkle here too. There was a rule change in the NFL where uh, teams could not could no longer block position coach interviews for coordinator jobs. However, that does not apply when there's a lateral move involved. So Sean uh, McVay had the option here to block O'Connell, which he did. Albert Breer reported that the lines of communication are open between the two teams on this. So there's still a chance it ends up with O'Connell getting that job. But it's also equally possible that the Rams are already a little ticked off and they'll be like, you know, go fly a kite, as they say. <laughs> All right. Other news. Let's keep spinning that carousel. Ricky Hollywood. Uh, Arthur Smith is the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And he will be calling the plays uh, in Atlanta. Of course, he comes over after a really fantastic run with the Titans, uh, with that great, great Tennessee offense with Derrick Henry and Ron Tannehill. Now he'll be tasked with uh, maximizing the potential of the Falcons attack, which has some really big time talent on it. It makes me think, Greg, that I think about it. I know Matt Ryan's getting older now, and there's a lot of talk about his future. But don't you kind of want to see what Arthur Smith can do with a Matt Ryan-led offense with Ridley and Julio Jones? And hopefully they, you know, upgrade in the backfield and, and see where that offense can go with different leadership? Yes, and and I think the Falcons are planning on it. That was my huge takeaway from um, Smith's press conference. Is, you know, he, he spoke about Matt Ryan and, and, and maximizing what Matt Ryan does well in a very uh, definitive way that indicated Matt Ryan will definitely be on the team, which is not a surprise uh, based on their contracts. Now, maybe, you know, maybe they still draft someone and, you know, it's year to year. Let's see how he looks. Um, but to me, the way he... What he did with Ryan Tannehill, I think you have. I think even at Matt Ryan's age, you have as much or more to work with uh, with Matt Ryan, and I think that's one of that's probably the reason they they hired Arthur Smith. I'm with you. I mean, they are 24 million over the cap. They have only 31 players under contract, so it's not the easiest of landing spots. But so I don't think you move away from Ryan. I you know Arthur Smith may not be the um, the guy. That I think when we when these hires happen, it's like who who is really entertaining, who grabs our attention in the press conference, and he's not that guy necessarily. I think he's you know he's kind of noted for his um, demeanor, his intelligence, uh, and I I do like this. I know everyone talks about the fact that he's the son of Fred Smith, the FedEx founder. He, his quote was, "I've never mistaken his success for my my success." And his his kind of his credo to his players is drop the entitlement and earn your job. I mean, those you know a lot of this is coach speak, but I think Arthur Smith, um, the Lions were really wanted to get in a second interview with him, so something must be going on well with these interviews. And I think there is um, he was with the Titans through so many different regimes. He started under Mike Munchak in 2010. It says something when these new coaches come in and want to keep you. And I thought he came in and did an excellent job as offensive coordinator. So. You know, interesting hire. I I, I want to see what he what he can accomplish with Matt Ryan. Mm. He's also. I don't think Greg he, is Gregor. I don't know if you're as high on him as I am, but no, I just no, I'm I'm high. I 
It's the name, isn't it? It's Arthur Smith that bothers you, Greg. No, I have. I don't have a strong take. I think he did a really good job, so it's worth a shot. Um, the <laughs> the entitlement thing, you know, I want an offensive shot. coach, and like the entitlement thing. Okay, it's like I think this is where you talk about like coaches getting chances. You know, you know that wouldn't normally. You know, he he started his career in part because because of his dad, and and then he made the most of it. You know, he worked for a team where his dad was the minority owner. That's how he got into the NFL like he started in college football at a place where his dad is like a huge donor but then he proves that that he's great but it's the type of thing that if you're if you're someone without those advantages of course you think about uh I do like that he's bringing Dean Pease out of retirement looks like old Dean Pease love that guy and the Titans defense went downhill pretty fast so as usual these coaches are only retired until they get like a nice next (laughs) offer (laughs) Right, and Arthur Smith obviously has their credentials based on what he did last year, but this is a conversation that is that is continuing in the league about opportunities for minority head coaches, and you're not seeing this cycle being flooded with hires of minority coaches. We'll now, see, though. St- there's two left. We'll see. Yeah, there's I still two more, see. and Eric Bieniemy seems to be a strong candidate for the opening jobs. But so far, you're not. You know, we're not basically singing hosannas about the, the progress here. The process is a total flop from that angle so far, and we can see what happens with the final two. But, I mean, all year long it was Eric Bieniemy is going to grab one of these coaching vacancies. Everyone's going to rush to grab him, and it's been the opposite. I don't know what's happening um, in the interview process, but, I mean, there is, like, the NFL cannot love this look. I mean, they have to have the opposite of loving it. Okay. In other news. Okay, so this happened uh, late last week. Robert Sala, 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 Sala is the new head coach of the New York Jets. And I obviously feel so excited about this. He is a heavenly choice um, compared to what we were dealing with. Is that who I think it is? I think it is. I think it is who you think it is. The great La Cid with the pipes. I mean, what a what a singer she is. Um, Salleluja. You can't give Nick Shook the nickname Pike Pipe when um, she's singing that way. I mean, we she's, already had issues with the Nick Shook. She's nickname. pipes, pluralized. He's just the pipe. There, there is a very big difference, and we don't have time to dig into that because we got to talk about uh, the new look Jets with Robert Sala. Um, this is a total 180 for the Jets. I'm so excited. Even the photos, they tweeted out uh, he officially signed his contract with the Jets to become head coach, and he's wearing the Jets hoodie, and he's got the big smile, and it's like, this guy looks like he's he should have been he's been the Jets coach forever and ever. It just looks right. It feels right. It's totally different uh, than Adam Gase, who, by the way, uh, report out there that he w- he was under some consideration for the Seahawks offensive coordinator job. If you ever got him back in the same building as Jamal Adams, that would be to me more exciting and make me more happy than you the are Robert loving Sala, life right now. <laughs> uh, higher in New York. I, I just think there's so much the Jets have to do to get to get really back on track, uh, and I am loving life right now because it's been so long since the Jets fans got a W. Robert Sala is a W. Uh, Mark, he he's a guy that we don't know if he's going to be able to play the guitar in the head coach role but damn it feels like he he's the right guy and 
And, and you saw Dan Orlovsky of ESPN tweeted yesterday. Uh, you know, he's pumped up about the assistant coaches that Sal's bringing in, including Mike LaFleur, who's going to be the OC. Uh, it just feels like they hit on something here, and um, I can't wait to see where it goes from here. But I think the LaFleur thing is huge because it gives you, – you're pairing Salah's defense and what it will be and wants to be with an offense that meshed really well with it in San Francisco. And I think that the, the idea is, you know, not, you know, Shanahan 2.0 because this is a very different type of coach, but some, you know, some familiarity with that and some familiarity with what San Francisco accomplished. Um I love it. I think we've, we've talked about this on our network show. I think this is a, f- a fascinating, fantastic hire for the Jets, and they nailed it. I mean, you know, there were a couple other names that came up in the Jets search that really concerned me, um, just because I think they needed to do something so fresh and new. And I talked about communication, and that is the wave for me of new coaches. And I think Sala brings that. And look at, yeah, will he succeed right away? Um, it's a tall order, but you've got Quinn and Williams. You've got Marcus May there if they re-sign him. I'm sure that's a priority for them. And I just love, I love the departure point. Um, I think that there's going to be some patience because everyone understands that he's inheriting something of a train wreck, except there's a lot to like with what they can do quickly with the picks. It doesn't totally, um, it reminds me a little bit of teams like Cleveland where the right coach came at the right time when there were a lot of draft picks and a lot of potential young talent on board. I think it's a good marriage and solid to me is what the Jets needed in so many different ways. I am genuinely happy for you. Um, I think it's you're going to see marked changes right away. It's not that unusual when a new coach comes in and changes everything that the Jets, to me, could be a team that I I want to get ahead of myself, but they should have had more wins than they had all along under Gase. And I don't think they're as far away as some would some would think. I I totally agree. And I I think the process is the key. When was the last Jets coach GM pairing that didn't seem like it had a ton of potential for dysfunction from minute one. Maybe Rex and Mike Tannenbaum, although you can even look into the way that that works through ownership and everything. Joe Douglas picked Salah. I'm sure ownership was part of it too. But ultimately, you know, I'm going to assume the reports that say Douglas was leading this are are right. And that's the most important thing to me um, because Douglas seems like like a solid guy who's going to build this organization. And Salah has... Uh, a real staff. Now, it's interesting that the 49ers promoted Mike McDaniel. It, there, there's some thought, you know, to offensive coordinator that, like, you know, they sort of got to keep, you know, who knows, like, they kept McDaniel and LaFleur goes. They were only going to be able to keep one. Um, and everyone seems to love uh, Mike LaFleur. And I think that offense, um, at least if you don't take a quarterback number two and you don't get Deshaun Watson, I don't totally buy like that they're all in on Sam Darnold, but I do buy that they are giving themselves the opportunity that that might be one of the things they do is look at what Sam Darnold looks like in this offense because I think the best he looked, I thought, was really his rookie year, especially for a rookie in a different non-Gase offense. And so if, if you that don't That was a fall, Shanahan offense. Right, and if you don't fall in love with Justin Fields and you don't get Deshaun Watson, is that going to be part of it? And Rich Samini of ESPN uh, reported that Salah, 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 and LaFleur believe that Darnold has, quote, untapped potential. I, I try, I'm I, trying to stay kind of even-keeled with Darnold because I, I always fall hard for the next savior, Jets quarterback, and I know he's put a lot of bad football on tape. So I'm trying to, like, I really do want to see him get one more shot 
uh, and do it with better coaching and hopefully a better roster. Uh, at the same time, I would not hesitate to go get Deshaun Watson if I could. But would I rather have Darnold and give him a shot with the staff and uh, the draft picks to build around him or take a chance on another rookie? Man, I'm not really the guy to ask because I don't know uh, how good these uh, top prospects Nobody are. Nobody does. But, Nobody really right. does. So. But I know <laughs> they don't have Trevor Lawrence, which would have been a no-brainer. So I'm more into staying with Sam if you don't get Watson. Uh, but there's so much to be uncovered on that end. Uh, it's the next big decision for the Jets. But for the first time in a long time, I feel like you could trust the people making the decisions. I think you can. Yeah, and, I wanted um, to throw throw in there too. I mentioned the GM process in part, like like in contrast to Atlanta, which we didn't mention. Which you know, it's fine. Arthur Blank hired Terry Fontenot, who looks like a promising GM from New Orleans, and, and he hires Arthur, Arthur Smith, and they're going to be attached to the hip. But I like I like the idea that like these guys, you know, they one chose the other. In Atlanta, it's like they're basically strangers meeting. Um, and the owner hired them both, and that's sort of how they're reporting through. And that, to me, is always a little tricky. That mm-hmm. seems like it just create will create friction where you've got both of them trying to vie for the owner's right. um, favor. And that's we've seen this play out poorly 10,000 times. All right. In other carousel news, yes, it happened. Urban Meyer is the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He takes over a team that's coming off a 1-15. But, yes, they have the number one overall pick and everything that comes with that. Um, we don't know what the, their GM situation there right now. Uh, but Urban Meyer is going to be the boss. There's no doubt about that. And Scott Linehan is being interviewed for their OC opening. Urban Meyer, Jacksonville Jaguars, Greg, is this a home run marriage to you? No, not a home run. I think it's exciting. You know, fans never want to hear about um, that their new head coaching hiring isn't like going to a hundred percent be a home run. But how how can you assume a guy that's never coached in the NFL, where there's sort of nebulous who has final say on the roster um, kind of chatter uh, with whether it's ownership or whether it's Urban Meyer? But it's you know, it's ultimately Urban Meyer is going to have a lot of power. And then Scott Linehan is the first guy that. Pops up uh, as the guy like you want to bring in right away. That doesn't, to me, inspire a ton of um, excitement. <laughs> I mean, he's bit—he's always had the advantage of having much better players than the uh, than the opponent. That's the whole thing of being a college coach and coming to the pros. It's not going to happen. It's the opposite. Instead of Ohio State having way better players than every single team on their schedule until they lose in the playoffs, you know, they, they're they going to have inferior players uh, for the most part. It's going to be close, but they're going to, you know, right now the Jacksonville Jaguars don't have great players. I mean, what I would say for Urban Myers that, yes, he had those advantages in college, and yes, he won with, I mean, you know, there are college coaches out there that have a lot of talent that don't get it done. I mean, he's been a winner. Um, my question would be, how long is this going to last? And I mean, it, you know, Urban Meyer has had some health issues in the past. Um, I'm not really leaning on that with this. It's just that he's also got up and walked away from, from jobs when I don't know if, the, if, if he had accomplished enough there or he felt like the challenge was elsewhere at some point. Um, he said he spent, you know, a long, long time um, 
diagnosing and studying the NFL to determine if he thought he could go and succeed there. Uh, I, I, I think that he doesn't want for determination um, and probably um, a part of him wants to show, yes, like any coach that's successful, I want to go to the NFL and show I can do it there. Um, I think he has the innate coaching talent to do it from what we've seen. But I, to me, this is a, a hire that I just sort of want to sit back and watch because I don't have a huge hot take here. I, I, I wonder love if- it. Love it content wise, though. To be clear, like sure. I love that he is joining the NFL because it's super good intriguing. Or, good or bad, it's totally intriguing, and his yeah. offenses are fun to watch too. You wonder if if they go three and thirteen instead of two and uh, one and fifteen, and they don't have Trevor Lawrence locked and loaded. Uh, if he takes that job, it might be so. to him. A, it's a perfect setup. No, for him I, to he's enter he's, the NFL with this potential generational talent. And we all know that the NFL highway is littered with the carcasses of college hotshot coaches who couldn't hack it. Uh, Meyer though could just as easily be an example of a college coach that just came in and, and got better. Uh, so, you know, you're excited if you're a Jaguars fan because they've made, they made a huge splash hire at head coach. They're going to make a huge splash draft pick at number one overall. And now you could start to piece it together. I wonder what happens now with your boy, by the way, Mark. Does Urban Meyer like the mustachioed one? Is he in the building anymore? I mean, I don't think the discussion is about in the That's building, the story possibly. Line. But as a starter, I think those days have come to a close based on where they sit. In I mean, the, the, the London fans, assuming they can travel next year, they got to be excited. A uh, little more juice coming overseas. Uh, Absolutely. With Trevor Lawrence. And Changes everything. It's a game changer in Jacksonville. All right. In other coaching carousel news, Dan Campbell. You remember Dan Campbell? He took over years ago when Joey Feldman got canned in Miami and did a pretty good job uh, in an interim role. He then went... Uh, to the Saints, where he's been learning under the great Sean Payton. And now it's believed that he will be the next head coach of the Detroit Lions. It's still expected to happen because this has been floating around now for days. Uh, but Rap Sheet uh, reported um, on Sunday that it's still expected to go down. Uh, this is your classic Mark guy that gets the locker room behind him, leader of men. Uh, will it work in Detroit? This feels uh, like a trickier one. It's really hard to make a judgment call one way or, or another right off the bat. I think we're all surprised by it. Um, I mean, Chris Spielman had a lot to do with it. He's been consulting with them as a special assistant on this. And you're right. I mean, I think his qualities, according to what I've read and looked into, is intense, a motivating force. Um, I thought he did a pretty good job with that Dolphins team when he came in. I mean, perhaps he can relate to players better than someone like Joe Philbin. I wouldn't be surprised. I like the fact that he's been inside the Saints system for a while. I mean, you're probably seeing and absorbing things that will be incredibly helpful, and he must have interviewed really well. I mean, this this was not someone that a month ago was talked about as um, one of the top candidates, so the process um, intrigues me. No, I mean, I I think, again, it's like, relationships here Spielman gets this job out of the Fox booth and kind of becomes the the key guy in in hiring the coach um and I, I think he he believed in Dan Campbell there's just not many coaches like this which are like the leader of men I'm not an offensive guru necessarily I'm not a defensive play caller um and that just puts more pressure on his hires and so I, it's it's kind of an incomplete right now you I would love to know who their coordinators are their GM by the way is going to be Brad Holmes from the Rams um, a lot of a lot of teams kind of filling these GM hires with guys you know under the radar guys um, 
with good organizations that didn't necessarily do a lot of self-promotion through the media. So I actually like that. It's like, I don't know these guys. They've, they've stayed under the radar, Brad Holmes. So you would, I'm going to have a hot take on Brad Holmes. Give me a uh, hot well, take on John Holmes. That's what I want to hear from Greg. <laughs> uh, there are but plenty it, of those out there. But it's another setup where the GM didn't, didn't hire the coach. And, man, you just hope for the Lions. Like, there is a little bit of, like, worry that, like, we want to be a tough team who plays physical brand of football and we're going to bring in our tough guy coach i mean that is chris spielman and that i think is dan campbell too so you mentioned yeah terry fotno in atlanta he's the new gm brad holmes in detroit george Patton in denver uh from minnesota yeah uh taking over uh, for john elway in that capacity you have scott fitterer in carolina and then a familiar name former carolina two times over gm marty herney lands in washington so ron rivera not Going the you know forward thinking route, going more. Hey, I know that guy. We've been getting steak at Peter Luger's and and uh, what is it called? What's the place in Indy that we're not going to this year? So people can't say it's actually not Saint Elmo. Saint Elmo. Uh, no cocktails at Saint Elmo this year, but these are old guys that have been in the league forever. Herney expected yeah. in Washington. If it wasn't Rivera and and their new president Jason Wright hiring Marty Herney, I mean to me this is. The ultimate cronyism hire. Cronyism. I, I mean, like they make a big show of, you know, some of the some of the interviews they had for GM, and really it was it was it was Herney all along. Um, and we should say, you know, like the league that has not had a lot of, you know, it's a league that's pre- predominantly black has not had a lot of black executives. So Holmes and Fontenot get, getting GM jobs that is that is a, I think a win um, in that area uh, this off season. All right, so, and yeah, we talked about that uh, with the new head coach hires, uh, more underwhelming in that category, but you still have the Eagles with a head coaching opening, the Texans still looking to fill a post, and is there anyone else? That's it. That's That's it. The Eagles are hot on the tail of Josh McDaniel. Yeah, I don't know if I, I, if Man McDaniel's his agent, you can just sometimes, it's like the same guy has the same, has all these coaches and (laughs) <laughs> the Eagles. The Eagles. Put it this way: I've tried to ask around a lot on this one, and I, I mean, don't. He had the job in Indy, right? Greg. He walked out of a handshake deal, one. so I, that I, wasn't all smoke. The Eagles' job is one that I don't think anyone has any clue. I don't either, to be clear, obviously. But I, I think everyone is just guessing and holding um, their arms up, and like they're interviewing everyone. They're interviewing Dennis Allen today of the Saints. It's been a pretty wide search, and I don't think anyone has a great feel of who's going to get that job. All right, so that's what's happening in the news. Now time to bring on a very special guest who, uh, you know, has a habit of going viral uh, with some videos he's been putting together uh, during this great Buffalo Bills run. So we'll see you in Buffalo in January. Be ready. It might be chilly. There they are, the iconic words now in Western New York from Steve Tasker, former Buffalo Bills All-Pro uh, really, one of the great, if not the greatest, special teams player of all time. Also, the co-host of One Bills Live on WGR Sports Radio 550 and MSG. Now, we welcome him for the first time to the Around the NFL podcast. I see you, Steve. You you got T-shirts uh, with that catchphrase. You, I mean, you've really built. You're building an empire over there. Well, listen, I'm I I'm I'm employed by the club, so I don't get anything out of it, man. I, you know, <laughs> trying to you know. In these tough financial times, we all have to pitch in to help the you know the businesses we we work for to you know, do it. So yeah, the bills are doing fine. But that yeah that 
took on a life of its own, no question. And the, you know how it is. The fun part about it was watching people's reaction to the to the hype video. Uh, so it's been pretty cool to see it. Even, you know, I was on the hook for buying like you know twenty five of those T shirts and sending them around. I got a text from Bruce Smith. Bruce just texted me. He goes, "Hey, bro." He goes, "I need one of every size and every color style, extra large." So I did it. I sent them to him. So there you go. That reminds wow. me of uh, something that my mother always says: "No good deed goes unpunished." You know, you, you try to get behind your former team, uh, Steve. This is obviously such an exciting, amazing time for the Bills, and you know, I feel like for where we are now in 2021, there's like a rom- romantic viewpoint of your old Bills teams, and people look back at those teams uh, so successful, but fell short of the mountaintop. And now here the Bills finally are back in position to get back to the mountaintop. What's the vibe been like up there in Western New York during this special time for the Bills? Well, it's been muted because of the pandemic. You know, the, New York State's probably one of the most locked down states around in the in the union, right? So uh, uh, it's been really hard to congregate uh, and share it with the Bills fans that, you know, are, are so prominent and so part of the fabric up here. So uh, in that way, it's been a little muted, but there's no doubt uh, in every household and every business, everybody, it's all they're all sold out and bought into this team. And I think this is it's interesting, too, because in the years leading up to this, it, it was so long between great teams. People forgot that when you get to the AFC championship team, you kind of live in that place. Well, gosh, I hope our team does good. And, you know, I, you know, I hope they play well. I hope they don't, you know, mess this up or I hope the other team plays bad so we can win. You forget that to get to the AFC championship game, your team's really good. You know, you forget that your team's really got to be good to get there. Not only got to be talented, they got to be deep. They got to be well coached. You don't get to the championship game on a fluke. This is a really good football team, and they're playing really well. They got some great players. Uh, you know, got a wide receiver that is an all time and had an all time great franchise season. Uh, you got a quarterback that played in an elite level at all year, and you got a defense that's playing better and better and finally now is in probably one of the top four or five defenses in the league at any, you know, in these last couple of weeks, three or four weeks. So, you know, you're hitting on all cylinders right now. It's just not that this had this, you know, great time and it's a roller coaster. You just kind of turned up in the championship game. This is a really good football team. And when you get to this point, you've got to be thinking that you're good enough to win the Super Bowl. And I think a lot of people here in Western New York are thinking that. Yeah, I, that's one of the reasons I love this Final Four. I feel like none of them are heavy favorites. All of them are totally good enough to win the Super Bowl. We have to find out what happens. You, you've watched Josh Allen mature. You know, you, you probably know him uh, well after these last few years. He seems like a guy who, who like registers what went wrong and and goes about fixing it. And I'm wondering how you think he's processing last week um, a, a, a game plan. Uh, that they put together in Baltimore where they actually slowed down the Bills offense pretty well in the first half. Uh, they made some adjustments, played better in, in the second half. How do you think like he's looking at that performance and then, you know, moving forward, it, it, what the Chiefs are going to try to do to him? It's a really interesting thought because Josh has really shown the knack for correcting mistakes quickly. Uh, that's been his hallmark as a quarterback, even early on when he was so raw and he was way down the, the ladder of, you know, being a productive NFL quarterback even week to week back when he had so far to go to become even a competitive quarterback week to week, you could see him making 
adjustments in his game. He'd throw the football away when one year, week he'd try to force it in and throw an interception. He would he would slide or run out of bounds instead of taking a big hit. He was doing things better. Now, certainly it was in fits and starts, and sometimes he would regress and have a bad play here or there. But the, the bad plays and those crazy plays that, you know, the kind of a punchline of a joke for his play in general, those plays became fewer and fewer and further and further far between. And the other end of the spectrum, the good plays became more and more prominent and more and more consistent. And that kept coming all the way throughout last year. And certainly this year when he hit the field uh, with Steph Diggs in the mix, with uh, Gabriel Davis in the mix, and they, they went four wide early in this season, way more than anybody else in the league. And man, oh man, the step he took then was amazing. Um, so all the little increments he he took and the growth he had this last offseason, which was totally off the radar because of the lack of offseason, lack of preseason games, Nobody saw it except the coaching staff and his teammates. When they unveiled that in week one against the Jets and then in week two against the Dolphins and, and week three against the Raiders and week four against the Rams, they go 4-0 and and they're lighting it up. And he actually has a couple of 300-yard days and a 400-yard day. It was like, wow. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. And it's been that way for the entire year. It, you could see it coming, and you knew – in some sort of fantasy football way, he had a big top end. He had a big ceiling because of his physical attributes and his intelligence and his hard work ethic. But you didn't think it was going to go to that this level from where it was even at the end of last season. And yet here it is. It's, you know, looking at the, the building of this team and I, and I picked up football in the mid eighties and, you know, I remember the Bills, um, as they started to grow into an AFC superpower, you were there at the very beginning of that. And I went back and looked at the roster from week one, um, 2017, when Sean McDermott coached his first game. It was Tyrod Taylor, um, LaShawn McCoy and Mike Tolbert in the backfield. Jordan Matthews, the team's leading receivers were Zay Jones and Deontay Thompson. And those were the receivers. It was Charles Clay and the running backs that all the catches. They were such a limited, different offense. And they had so much work to do. And they've been so intentional and rapid, I think, in building this team to what it is in such a quick fashion. Uh, I mean, that's the gap between these long bills, successful periods. What is your thought of sort of Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and what just their overall power to build this, this team up so quickly? Yeah, it's interesting because the NFL so, you guys know, it's so hard to win and win consistently because there are so many levels of complexity about every aspect of the game. Offensively, you got to have the right tools. You got to have the right offensive line, the right quarterback, the right weapons around the quarterback to ex- accentuate his gifts. You got to have a defense that's loaded with athletes and, and some experience and a good court. You got to have coordinators. You got to have personnel people who are on the same page and giving you the players that fit your scheme you got to go the draft you got to go the comma all that stuff is mixed into this and and this team the thing i know about what they built this team is this and one thing i noticed as they as they got along with it there's a couple of things they were never afraid to cut loose of a really good player if he didn't fit them a hundred percent uh marcel darius sammy watkins uh, Ron Dar- um, Darby, the, the defensive back, uh, guys of this nature, that, you know, that just didn't fit perfectly. They got rid of them. And in fact, right before the start of the 2018 or 17 season, they got accused of tanking. 
and, and ultimately went to the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. That's how good this coaching staff is. Now, the other thing that I've noticed, not only were they not willing, you know, to willing to part with good players, they never strayed outside their plan. Le'Veon Bell, certainly they kicked the tires on him. Anton and, and Antonio Brown, certainly they kicked the tires and checked it out. None of those guys fit. Uh, none of the guys, the, the shiny, high-priced free agents kind of wavered them away from their philosophy of getting players who were middle-of-the-road free agents, I think, but fit their system and fit it well and had the right temperament and the right attitude and the right personality and had the right mindset. And they were also big in this. Now, they got those guys. And plus, they brought a lot of guys in on one-year prove-it deals. They paid them well, but they were only tied up for one year. And you get those guys, they're really highly motivated to get another contract, if not from the Bills, from somebody else. They got a lot of guys like that that are highly motivated to play well and play well throughout the season. So all those things put together is kind of their philosophy. And to their credit, they never wavered from that commitment. And I think that sometimes is the hardest thing to do for an organization. They've become a model for other teams uh, to study. Before we say goodbye, Steve, I just want to talk about what they need to do to win this weekend in Arrowhead. Because as good as the Bills have been, and they are one Hale Murray away from a 12-game winning streak, in these two playoff wins, they've been outgamed yardage-wise, and they've, they've won because they've made the big plays in the crucial spots uh, to carry on and get to this point. But you get the feeling they're probably going to have to deliver that A game on offense to get past Patrick Mahomes if it, indeed Mahomes is on the field for the Chiefs. Do you see that? Do you see a shootout here coming up? Or do you think Leslie Frazier coming off a great performance with that defense can keep Kansas City in check? I think the Bills – I don't know if you keep Kansas City in check. I don't think – I don't think it'll be – if it's a 30-point game, it'll be a 30-point game on both sides. I think it's going to be more like the first game they played where the winner will be in the mid to high 20s, maybe score 30, 31. But the other guy – the other team will be right there too. I think this is going to be a game where you got to keep pace, no question about it. you got to stay with the Chiefs. And if you've got a defense that can make enough plays, and I think that's what this Bills defense can do is, is make some enough plays – to give maybe get the Chiefs off the field offensively a couple of unexpected times and in unexpected ways, maybe the turnovers or maybe get a lucky break on a third and eight or something to get a knockdown pass or something like that. Get a couple of plays like that to give Josh Allen a couple of extra possessions. And certainly the Bills have to play better offensively than they did the first time around. Josh threw for like 206 yards against the Chiefs the last time they played in week six. Certainly they weren't their best. John Brown was not a factor. He was ailing. Their offensive line had been shuffling every single week during that up to that point of the season. Um, their guards and their center were never set in stone. Uh, so now they've got that kind of under control. John Feliciano, their great guard, is in there and has been in there for a while now. They, they were a little unsettled up front in that game. Uh, mm. But still, Josh Allen's got to play better. He's got to play well. They've got to score points against this Chiefs team. Um, I think they can do it, but they're going to have to play better offensively and more consistently offensively than they did in the first two weeks of the playoffs. No question about it. But I think this game, both teams, their defense are going to play well enough to be have respectable outings against these offenses, which means in this day and age, mid-20s to low-30s uh, for these teams. And I think mm. that's where this game is going to be. And, I, and look for the Bills to put together enough of a performance where it's going to be in doubt. If, uh, certainly the Chiefs. If everybody's playing their best, the Chiefs are maybe a better team than the Bills. But the Bills are going to play well enough to to put it in doubt 
late in this game and have a chance to win it. Uh, that's their modus operandi. And then it'll be come down, it'll come down to the last part of the game where either Josh Allen, the offense and Steph Diggs are going to have to make a play or Patrick Mahomes and their crew are going to have to make a play to win the game. Well, I know you got to head to uh, a car commercial appearance. I'm sure you're getting a lot of offers because, you know, we heard the audio at first, but it was really the the cigar smoking and the mean mugging into the Damn camera. It. it was the acting that Tasker delivered in that hype video that's got to be getting you, your agent a lot of offers lately. Yeah, you know, I'm trying hey, <laughs> my head down. I haven't left my house. I come in to do, do the show and I go home. I haven't left the house in like 10 months. <laughs> <laughs> um, my wife, I, I I put an alarm on my wife so if she moves, I hear because I'm afraid she's going to kill me in my sleep. So, <laughs> so you know that kind of thing. We're 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 buttoned up tight here in New York. Uh, everybody's just aching for a chance for the uh, screws to get loosened a little bit so we can get out, go to dinner, go out to movies, you know, go out to a bar for a beer. Uh, everybody's buttoned up tight here. So every time I chance to get a leave home just for work, I'm absolutely out the door to do it. <laughs> and it is it's a shame what you said at the top that it is a little more muted because where we are in the world, but we won't be here forever. Steve Tasker will be a legend forever up there in Western New York. And and one day he'll be in Canton, too, if the football gods uh, have their say. Steve, thank you so much for joining us and uh, enjoy the football this weekend. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, guys. And there we go. Steve Tasker did fall short. I mentioned the Hall of Fame. Uh, he was a semifinalist uh, and he's been that several times through the years, but did not get selected to go forward for the final voting. Uh, But, Mark, I know you love those old Bills teams, as many people do. Tasker was a glue guy. Yeah, he's he's in a tough category to to, to get in. I love that he's been recognized to the extent he has in terms of getting through um, portions of the Hall of Fame process, and maybe it will happen. But, I mean, watching those Bills teams – there is a real reason that he resonates with people still because he was a heart and soul member and he just had so many plays and every, you know, in big moments. And he, he just kind of was the classic. I don't think that, you know, Bill Belichick loves special teams and he's had his guys that have been special teams guys forever. Um, I mean, the Tasker's one of the early imprints of that where maybe he gets flushed out in a 2020 roster because he's not, you know, a contributing wide receiver. He was everything the Buffalo Bills were back then and totally an engaging, watchable um, athlete. Isn't there like a famous NFL films clip where he goes up for a ball, then lands like straight on his helmet, like standing. That's Don Beebe. Up. Oh, that's Beebe. Yeah, okay. but um, but you know what? It, it's Ron, funny because relatively short white guy. Don Beebe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he would have been allowed. You know that the, what happened with his head and his neck off of oh, the no, Felix Wright flipping him was. He's in the blue what? tent for roughly three weeks. If that right, happened. right. <laughs> Connor Orr made a good point, by the way, on that. Before we say goodbye, Connor, who we love and is over at SI now, wrote about it that uh, nobody really even gave it a second thought when Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP, and Patrick Mahomes, the MVP before Lamar and the reigning Super Bowl MVP, both suffer head injuries and they disappear from the divisional playoffs. Like in the old days, those dudes are taking smelling salts and they're back on the field getting punished some more, trying to get their team to the next round. But as football fans, and you got I give the league credit for this as well, they have made progress in installing a c- culture to protect these guys, even when they need to be protected from themselves. So yeah, that, that, that was a big uh, step forward uh, that we saw this weekend. There's an interview with Troy Aikman where he talks about um, having literally no memory of one of the NFC Championship games he was in. That's No crazy. memory of it. That's so scary. 
Unbelievable. Um, all right. So, what's coming up this week? Thursday, it is the Championship Sunday preview. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll line up some guests for that show, too, because that's going to be a lot of fun uh, talking about those uh, two games that will decide who plays in Super Bowl 55. On Friday, we'll have a completely separate uh, championship preview episode on television on NFL Network. So you can catch that at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Friday and also overseas Game Pass International. Uh, you should have access to our program from there. And then, of course, Sunday night, the flagship show, when you know what's going to happen there, we break it all down. And it is sad because in the past, we do that show, and then you know we'd be in the studio for a couple more days, and then we'd be packing up and heading uh, to the Super Bowl. This is the first year in a decade that that's not happening. But still look forward to um, covering the games and talking about them with you boys, and hopefully Chris Wesley as well. And, and you Ricky. know, I know that it stinks the Browns aren't there, but like a little less uh, pressure and tension. At least that was I, my I, on, that was my experience when the Patriots lose. It's at least it's, like I'm I'm enjoying this being like, a, hey, I could just watch some football in the playoffs. You guys couldn't be more different um, in a lot of ways, but as football fans, I don't think it's an apples to apples comparison. No. Yeah, I don't like I don't feel what you're feeling on that front, Greg. But um, I will say that it kind of. It took a little bit of the heat off a little. I, I kind of, you know, it's been a yeah. lot of football lately, so. Yeah. As you know, Mark, um, from the years of Brown's toil before they, they put it together, it does take uh, some of the heat off Sundays in general during the season when your team sucks so hard <laughs> that there's nothing on the line ever. So you don't you don't have that. I'm watching my favorite team and hoping their season progresses in a good direction while also trying to do my job. It's been coast time for uh, for the old Zeuser during the Adam Gase era, so my job could get more difficult and hopefully will uh, starting next fall. All right. Good stuff. Hallelujah, baby. Uh, we'll be back, like I said, on Thursday. So tune in. This is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, and the great Steve Tasker. How about that? Till Thursday. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. 
in the land of saints and sinners from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.